0: Good morning. I'm Carla Campbell. Our scripture reading for this morning is from Acts 9, verses 10 through 15. Now, there was a disciple in Damascus named Aeneas. The Lord said to him in a vision, "Ananias, he answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus called Saul. At this moment he is praying And he has seen in a vision a man named Aeneas come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Aeneas answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel." This is the word of God for the people of God.
1: God. For our scripture lesson this morning, and um, again, I want to say thank you to the worship band, particularly to Chris. Our uh, he's filling in for Warren for us because a little something you may not know that <laughs> I, I didn't know till here just a little while ago was that um, Chris in March had the end of his finger chopped off, squeezed off in a door frame, which is like uh, hard to even think about. <clears throat> so uh, today is the first day he's actually played his guitar and led worship and sang. So this was a, 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 a monumental day for him, an accomplishment for that. And Chris, we just appreciate you so much. And thank God for uh, the healing that's taken place in your hand. Wow, that's, that's, a, that's amazing. So we give thanks for that. Uh, let's pause for a word of prayer as we prepare to hear God's word together. Gracious God, we thank you for this opportunity now to hear your word, to seek your Holy Spirit and its meaning for our life. Come, Holy Spirit, make this holy ground in the sense of helping us to open up our hearts and our minds and our very lives with the impouring of your spirit and redirecting and transforming and redeeming and calling us forth as your people. I pray, God, that the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts here in this place be pleasing acceptable, that they be life-changing for us as we place ourselves in your hands. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've been keeping up with us uh, and you can't help but to notice that you know, Vacation Bible School is around the corner, you heard the video this morning. Uh, it's only uh, about a week and a half away. It's uh, July 18th to the 21st is when Vacation Bible School happens. And it's, it's always a highlight of our year here together because this place gets... Filled, literally, with children and activity and almost every building. And you just got so much energy going around. And it's an exciting time. And uh, as you noticed, this year's theme of Vacation Bible School is how to become a hero in God's eyes. It's uh, Hero Central is what we're calling it. And uh, during this Vacation Bible School, everybody's going to get to wear uh, one of these. It's one of these um, capes, a Superman or superhero cape. You're all familiar with these, I think. Uh, everybody, everybody gets to wear one because we have a group in our church called Friends of Needles that um, are making these, or have they've already made a bunch of them. They're making all of these for um, all the children, all 100-plus children. are going to get to have a, a superhero cape with them they get to wear, and all the adult volunteers get to wear one, too. And uh, we're so thankful for the Friends of Needles. They all, they've made all of these capes for us and worked hard hours. I think they're still doing some, but, uh, you know, it's... Hey, you know, I don't know about you, but every time I put on one of these things, I feel like I can, you know, just conquer the world, right? Yeah. yeah. Come on. You know you want to wear one, too. I mean, you want to wear one, right? We all have this fascination with superheroes, and, uh, you know, we draw to their stories. We, we, we're, we want to be like them. Uh, we, we love what they, they stand for. As a kid, I always wanted to be a superhero, and Superman was always my favorite, you know. Uh, he's faster than a speeding bullet. He's... Junk tall buildings, even, you know, it's more powerful than a locomotive. You know. All right, I need to take this thing off. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> throw that out there. <clears throat> but uh, even today, people are still captivated by these superheroes. Uh, it's interesting. that Researchers have actually been uh, studying this phenomenon, what they call it, in our society, that uh, they found out that since 9-11, the events that happened then, Superhero movies have become the number one genre in Hollywood movies. It's uh, it's more than any other genre of movies that people go to now they are being created today. It's the superhero genre. Uh, The most recent superhero movie that came out, The Avengers, and uh, it, it now is the fourth highest grossing film of all time. if you don't know who the Avengers are and you've been having your head under a rock, living under a rock all this time, uh, the Avengers are a group of the classic Marvel superheroes that have been brought together to fight off the uh, alien invasions to Earth and so on. And and, uh, it's a people are just i mesmerized by these people. They're all into it. You see every store you go to, you see their merchandise and everything. But it's not just the Avenger movie thats we've seen this phenomenon taking place over the last 15 to 20 years. We've seen it in the Superman movies, the Batman movies, the Spider-Man movies, uh, the Black Panther uh, movies. You know, people are just flocking to go see these movies. And it's not just limited to movies. I mean, there's also many of the um, superheroes that are being featured in Broadway plays. You know, Spider-Man, he had a great run on Broadway and, and many others. But it's not just Broadway plays as well either. We also like to buy their merchandise. We like to dress up like them, right? Uh, how many superhero costumes do you see at Halloween with children when children come in? I mean, it's more than any of them. There's all the superhero costumes. And I, I, I'm, I'm guessing that some of you like to dress up in superhero costumes even when it's not Halloween. I'm not going to go there, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, in fact, I'm pretty sure that all of us have dressed up in, in, in uh, superhero costumes. It's at one time or another. I mean, we love these things. Uh, we, we like to go to amusement park and ride the rides of the superheroes. Uh, our children eat the superhero cereals and breakfast foods. Uh, we, when we tuck our children in bed at night, uh, we tuck them in with, uh, you know, Thor and Superman or uh, Incredible Hulk or Spider-Man sheets and clothes, pajamas and stuff. Uh, Even entire cities have wanted to identify themselves with superheroes. I don't know if you know this or not. I I recently discovered this, but there's this place called Metropolis, Illinois, that back in 1972, 6,000 of their citizens put a petition before the city council to have their city declared the birthplace of Superman. No joke. And it passed. <laughs> and so in the center of their city square, I, I was hoping to have a picture of that for you, but in the center of their city square, they have this 15-foot uh, statue of Superman. I think i got a picture coming up because every June they have a, uh, a festival Got that one. There it is. That's the statue there. Every June, they have this festival celebrating the birthday of Superman. and People come from all across the country to dress up like Superman and (laughs) other superheroes. And uh, they all dress up like this. I mean, the entire city wants to be identified in this way. Uh, So you have cities identifying with these characters. You have uh, movies. You've got Broadway plays. You've got merchandise, uh, food, dressing up like them. But it's not just those things. We're willing to do almost anything, pay almost any price to be connected with them in some way or to have a piece of their history. You know, old comic books, they're worth a lot of money nowadays. In fact, this action comic book that you see on the screen here, it is uh, the very comic book that introduced the character uh, Superman. And in 19, oh no, 2014, it sold for $3.2 million. $3.2 million for this you know how much that thing cost originally? <laughs> Ten cents. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I wish my grandmother wouldn't have thrown away my dad's old comic books. Like, it just like kills me to th- think about that. She threw them all away. Superheroes, <clears throat> they're all around us. Everybody wants to be a part of their story. We, we are drawn to their stories. We want to be like them. We'll do whatever it takes to connect with them in one way or another. Stan Lee, who is the uh, creator of Spider-Man, says, there's no reason why superheroes shouldn't go on forever. Children at some point will take off their superhero capes. But these stories, there's something about superheroes that are timeless. No matter how old they are or how long they've been around, or how old we get, we're still fascinated. We're still drawn to their stories. I mean, a long time ago before our day, it was the Greek and Roman gods that served as the superheroes. How many of you grew up watching Hercules and all those kind of people, you know? It's, yeah. And, but today, it's, it's here in America, it's kind of an interesting phenomenon that's taken place. Most of our current superheroes that we are familiar with in America, they actually started emerging in the late 1930s. Now, most of you here don't know what was going on in the 1930s before your time, but there's some of you who were, and you know that that was on the heels of the Great Depression, It was also during World War II, and so um, there were, at that time, real-life villains, such as Hitler and Nazi Germany, that were threatening to destroy the world, and it was in this context that these things began to emerge, and it really emerged out of a certain group of people that, during that time and that, that day, it was a very dark time, and that was Jews, Jewish Americans, to be specific. So here you had this, in the midst of this national fatigue of the Depression and this uh, threat of war and all these things going on, these superhero characters that we know today began to emerge. There was a group of Jewish artists and authors and illustrators that got together and said, we need to do something to lift the spirits of our nation, to help people uh, have a sense of hope. And so they began to imagine things. They began to dream of what the world could be or what it should be. They began to dream of superheroes that could fight and lead the fight for justice and right the wrongs and bring about a world of peace. They they dreamed of a better day, a better future, a world where peace actually could be a, a reality, or at least we could dream it, a world in which good triumphed over evil, which love triumphed over hate, which right over wrong. And that we could live in peace as God intended us to be. So, this group of um, Jewish authors got together and they began to write some stories about superheroes, modern day superheroes. But here's the thing because of who they were and their, their belief system, they couldn't help but to draw from those superheroes of the past. That they knew in their faith. If you look at most of the um, early comic book uh, editions, you're going to see characters that resemble a lot of those Old Testament heroes like Moses and Elijah and Samson and David. They brought forward these old stories of scripture into the future and named them in, in modern-day heroes who are seeking to right the wrong and, and seeking to seek justice and change the world. If you scratch the surface of any of those old comic books or even the modern-day uh, stories of superheroes, you're going to find these stories of faith or religious overtones kind of intertwined in the story. Uh, but you never know it <clears throat> because most of these authors that created these uh, comic book characters or these, these ones that we know today, they actually decided to change their names because they were afraid of what might happen to them. Uh, Jack Kirby, who was a comic book legend, his n- real name is actually Jacob Kurtzberg. Stan Lee, who was the author of Spider-Man, his real name is Stanley Lieber. Bob Kane, who was the creator of Batman, his real name is Robert Kahn. And so you have this group of people who were wanting to change the world. They wanted, wanted to lift up a nation that was tired and weary from all that had been going on. And they wanted to draw their imaginations to a vision of a world that could be a better place. And they were trying to help them have a way of visioning what God really wanted to happen in our world, where good was over evil and all these things. So they created heroes. They were rooted in the past. And what's so cool about that is that over the last 75 years we've seen these uh, religious overtones and these spiritual symbolisms kind of become more evident in fact some of the older some of the letters the comic strips you can actually see blatant they they talk about their faith in those things <clears throat> for instance in the movie uh, superman when it came out you had the parents having this discussion before they gave Superman to come to earth, his parents are are worried about whether he's going to be received on earth or not. Would they reject him, uh, fearing that, you know, that might happen? But the father said, no, he will be like a god to them, leading them to accomplish wonders. And when Lois Lane asked Superman in that movie, what does the S stand for? Superman says, in my world, it stands for hope. Did you hear any biblical themes in that little conversation? Here you have, one, a story about somebody who is coming into the world to bring hope, to save us, to right the wrongs of society, to help us accomplish wonders, and yet there's this fear that he's going to be rejected and despised. Many did. Again, if you scratch the surface, you'll find these religious undertones of any of the superhero stories. And this is what I think draws people to these stories, In fact, there's actually been a lot of research (laughs) circulating around this, uh, and what they found is the reason that people are drawn to these stories is because they find comfort in these stories, especially in times of tragedy and trials, Uh, which is why we have this, you know, after 9-11, we've seen many of these stories emerge. We're drawn to this vision of a future with a a better hope, (laughs) a a future with hope, where good triumphs over evil. And what makes all of this really important for us as a church to take notice of is the demographic of those people who are attending these movies and plays and everything that you see going on today, buying all the merchandise and stuff. Uh, if you go to any of the superhero movies today, and I have a 16-year-old daughter, which I get to go to all of them, <coughs> you'll find that uh, when you sit in that theater, you are surrounded by a group of people known as millennials or post-millennials. These are people who were born after 1980. These are the ones that are driving the uh, superhero craze in our society today. But here's the interesting thing. In recent surveys that are looking at these generations of people, they've discovered that 38% of millennials and post-millennials, 38% uh, regard themselves as being non-religious and having no religious affiliation. 38%. And yet, here they are the ones who are flocking to these movies are about hope, which shows you they have this deep longing within them, maybe they don't even recognize it, a longing for hope. They're longing for a, a better picture of the world than what they're seeing. They're longing for a better future than what they perceive. And research also shows us that people are especially drawn to these kind of movies in times of crisis, in times of tragedy which, again, explains why we've seen this resurgence from 9-11. Now, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand the implication that has for us in the church. I mean, here you have this generation of people looking for hope, searching for it, finding comfort in these superhero movies, and yet we as Christians know that the hope they're really looking for is only going to be found in Jesus. Jesus. It's only going to be found in Jesus. That's, that's why we're doing this Vacation Bible School and talking about Hero Central and tapping into that desire and longing that we've found it even in children. This is what we need to be doing, helping the world around us see that the hope you're longing for is only found in Jesus Christ. I love this picture that I found. <clears throat> you may have seen this on the Internet. Uh, We know that Jesus is the real superhero out there. And our job is to let the world know about this. Help them to come to understand that. You see, what the gospel story teaches us about Jesus is that he saves us for a purpose. Uh, Over and over again, you see this happening. Jesus will minister to someone, he heals them, and he will say, go and do likewise. Go forth and proclaim my name. Go and do likewise. He tells them... Through my grace and by my power, you will be able to do even greater things than I. We are called to be the living body of Christ in this world today. That's our job. That's our mission. Jesus says, you can do all the things that I did. You can bind up the brokenhearted. You can bring release to the captives. You can set the prisoners free. You can change this world. And at the heart of the Christian gospel is this understanding that we are called, we are equipped, we are empowered by God's Holy Spirit to go forth as his superheroes, as his apostles, as his ambassadors to the world around us. Even and perhaps especially in times of darkness, and in times of tragedy and crisis. This is what we find happening in John's gospel at one point. Jesus came to his disciples, and he tells them, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be crucified, suffer, and die. <laughs> We've given up everything for you, Jesus, and you're going to tell us now you're going to be crucified and die. and what about us? Like, it's a dark time, they're, they're taken back by this. But then the very next thing Jesus says in chapter 14, verse 12, he says, very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. In fact, they will do greater works than these. So in this dark moment, the disciples journey with him. Jesus turns to them and says, if you will believe in me. You will do the things that I did. Even greater things, things you can't even begin to imagine or dream. You'll do these things. Do you believe this? The Apostle Paul echoes this when he talks to the church at Ephesus at a time when they were fearing persecution for their faith. He says, I pray that according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you, you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So to this community of faith that's fearing for their lives and persecution, Paul prays for them that they may be empowered by God's Holy Spirit, filled with His Holy Spirit to understand and comprehend, to realize the breadth and the length the depth and the height of God's love and His power so that they may be able to go into the world and change it, transform it, accomplish more than they could possibly imagine. Because this is what he says in the very next verse, verse 20. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. Again, do you believe this? Do you really believe it? That by the grace of Jesus Christ, we can be empowered. We, can, we are enabled to accomplish far more than what we can imagine or even dream. This is what I think we hear in our moments of darkness, whether it's as a culture, a society, terrible tragedy things, or even in our own personal lives. We hear God calling us and empowering us that with my spirit and my grace and my power, you can go forth and overcome this. You can do greater things more than even you ask for or imagine. I really wonder if if we had an entire community of faith who believed that, down the core of their being, they believed that to be true, what kind of difference could we really make in this world, this community? Now, I don't know the answer to that question, but I do know the answer to what happened when one person believed that. His name was Ananias. We heard about him in our scripture lesson this morning. We don't know a whole lot about Ananias other than he was a leader of a Christian church or community there in Damascus. And when we meet Ananias in the ninth chapter of Acts, he is cowering in fear along with the rest of his believers there because they've gotten the news that a guy named Saul is coming to their city, Damascus, and he's on a mission to wipe out anybody who is a Christian. In fact, we read in Acts chapter 8, verse 3, Saul was ravaging the church by entering house after house, dragging off both men and women. He committed them to prison. In the uh, ninth chapter, we read, he was breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And now he is headed to Damascus. And uh, Ananias and all these followers are scared to death. They're anticipating his wrath. And we know the story, at least I hope you did. If you went to Sunday school or Bible class, you know that Paul, he's going to Damascus. You remember what happens? He's blinded by this light from heaven and he falls to his knees and he's totally incapacitated. He can't do anything. And, and in the midst of that moment, hears a voice speaking to him. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who are you? Remember what the voice says? I am Christ, the one you are persecuting. His followers then take him to a house in Damascus where he sits unable to see. Uh, Verse 9 says, For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. This is where we get introduced to Ananias. Ananias, hiding in fear, anticipating, worrying, not knowing what's going to happen when Saul finds them, what he's going to do to them. And in the midst of that moment, he hears a voice or has this vision from God speaking to him. And this is what he says. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias... And he answered, Here I am, Lord. That tells you what kind of disciple he is. <laughs> here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision that a man named Ananias is going to come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. So here you have Ananias fearing for his life. I mean, this, this dude, Saul's a bad, bad dude. Um, and God says, I want you to go to him. And I want you to heal him. I don't think Ananias was too happy with this. I mean, he's not, he's not enjoying this news at all. This is not good news. And so um, he, I think mean, he's thinking, you know, this is like Lex Luthor is just to Superman. You know, this is like Joker is to Batman. This is like, uh, uh, what's the guy, what's his name, uh, Thanos is to Thor. You know I mean? This is, really, God, you want me to go to Saul? This is what we read, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, how he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. So The Lord says, Go. What would you do if you were in Ananias' shoes? Would you go and you know, meet your enemy? Would you go and seek out this person who has made it their mission to destroy you? Well, Ananias does. He went because he believed in a living Lord who had conquered death. So he didn't have to fear death. He went because he believed in a God that was greater than anything or anybody of this world. He went because he remembered Jesus' words saying to him, those who believe in me, will do the things that I did, and even greater things will they do. So Ananias goes. He goes to the house where Saul is. He brings a chair next to him. He sits down. And then very tenderly he speaks these words. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And did you notice how Ananias addresses Saul? Uh, He didn't treat him as his enemy. He didn't treat him as a stranger. Hey, mister. (laughs) He didn't even treat him as a friend. He spoke to him as a brother in Christ. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord has sent me to heal you, to help you to regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So that, because we know how the story turns out at the end, I've come to do this so that... You might go forth from this place and do the things that Jesus did, even greater things than you're going to imagine or possibly think of, or dream of. Upon speaking these words, we remember how Scripture says, like scales from his eyes fell and he, he regained his sight. He was then baptized. He received food from Ananias. He was, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, he regains his strength. Saul at that point becomes Paul. And for the last 2,000 years, we have been remembering Paul as this great hero of the faith. We've been, we've been telling his story and celebrating how he went throughout all the known world proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, proclaiming a message of how evil triumphs over, I mean, how goodness, good triumphs over evil, how love triumphs over hate. The good news of the gospel. For 2,000 years, we've been telling his story, seeing him as a hero of the faith for what he did. You know, none of that would have happened had not it been what Ananias did. He was willing to go and answer God's call. He was willing to go to this man he who was his enemy, and he was willing to treat him as a brother in Christ, to love him unconditionally with the grace of God, so that he might be redeemed, transformed. You know. Paul, again, is often celebrated as that great hero of the Christian faith. But when I think about heroes of the faith in the world today, I like to remember Ananias. I can't help but think of him because of what he made possible. And here's the thing. You never hear anything else about Ananias. You don't find anything about him after this. It's like he disappears. But but what we do remember is that Saul's life was changed because there was this man named Ananias who was willing to, and have the courage to believe in Christ and go forth and do the things that Jesus did and ask him to do. When I think of what it means to be a hero in God's eyes and in the Christian faith today, this is who I think of. You know, I, I may never have the opportunity to be in the headlines for doing this world-transforming thing like the Apostle Paul did, but I could be faithful to the areas of my life that God calls me to today. I can do the things that Jesus asked me to do every day in my encounters to be faithful to him in that. And who knows? Maybe God can take that and do something that I would never dream possible from that. You see, as Christians, we believe that every encounter we have in life, every person we meet, is filled with the possibility of making a difference in Christ, making a difference in their lives, a difference in this world. And with God, that can end up being something beyond what we can imagine. I doubt, very seriously, that Ananias had any conceivable idea of the long-term impact his faithful act made upon this world by doing what God asked him to do that day. I don't think he had a clue what was going to (laughs) happen from that. He was just being faithful. He was just trusting in God's promises, yet his faithfulness change the world, change the world in ways you would have never imagined. Who might God be calling you to? Who might God be calling you to meet with? You know, even in the midst of our most difficult moments, our most challenging moments of life, God inspires us. God reminds us, he promises us that we are called to do even greater things than we can imagine or even ask for. Because God gives us the ability to believe, the ability to love, the ability to do all of the things that Jesus re- was revealed through him. You know, we li- are living in the midst of a world where you have people who are desperately longing for an heroic tale. We're living in the midst of generations that are desperately looking for Messages of hope that they're finding in these superhero stories. And we have the real story that can make a true difference in their lives. Bring true hope. And I think God is calling us to go. To go into all the world as his heroes, as his ambassadors to the world. Making a difference wherever we can. Helping people to understand the real story of hope. The real savior of this world. Today, I hope that you are inspired by the story of Ananias, as I was. Maybe by these comic book authors or the story of the Apostle Paul. Inspired to go and do the things that Jesus calls us to. Because God can take that. He can do something beyond our wildest dreams. Be open to God's spirit. Go forth from this place as his superheroes. Superheroes changing the world one person at a time. Let's pray together as we close. Gracious God, we long for a world of hope. We long for a world that is envisioned in these superheroes that we read about where justice prevails, and good triumphs over evil and our future is secure. Forgive us, O oh God for placing our hope in all the wrong places of life. Help us to hear your calling today, to be that message of hope for others. May we be so filled with your Holy Spirit today that we leave this place emboldened to go forth as your ambassadors of hope for others uh, truly believing that you call us to greatness, you call us to make a difference in Christ all things are possible. So send us forth, O God, as to be your, your heroes, to change this world, one life, one moment, one faithful act at a time. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.